May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Do you remember your baptism? I don't remember mine. I was pretty young. You know, I, I don't have a great mind for history and dates, but there is one baptism I learned about in seminary that I will never forget. And this was the baptism of Constantine, the Roman emperor. He ruled in Rome from 306 to 337, so Christianity was around, and he converted to Christianity in 312. He was baptized, however, on his deathbed in 337. So for 25 years, he was a Christian, but not baptized. You gotta admire this guy. He's kind of clever like a fox. Think about it. He goes his whole life, more or less living a Christian life, but saves the baptism for right before the end so that as soon as he dies, he's squeaky clean of all that sin and meets his maker pure as the driven snow. He outsmarted the system. You know, scholars, because of that, will debate whether or not his conversion to Christianity was actually authentic, uh, but, you know, we never know. At the very least, we can say that he kind of misunderstood the sacrament of baptism. It's not a last-minute bath where you hurriedly scrub away all those grimy sins from your life right before you meet God so you can be just sweet and smelling like a rose. You know, ultimately, as the Episcopal Church sees it, baptism is not just a way that we wash away sin. It's the way that we find and understand our worth as human beings. To understand this a little bit more deeply, let's take a moment and enter the world of John the Baptist. If you were born into the Hebrew nation in this time and place, your local synagogue was the place that you visited to learn God's law. You learned your own people's history and you learned what the future might hold for you and for your nation as told by the prophets. And you also went to the temple in Jerusalem from time to time to make certain sacrifices. There was a system for doing so. Deep soul searching and careful study of the Torah revealed what you needed to do what you needed to sacrifice at the temple in order to receive God's blessing and forgiveness. There was a checklist that came out of that. Now imagine you're living in the kingdom of Judea and you hear that there's a movement that's kind of gaining some traction. There's a weirdo in the wilderness who is proclaiming that he has a new way of receiving God's blessing and forgiveness. The temple authorities don't seem to be too worried about it. It's on the outskirts of town, and not that many people are brave enough to venture out in the wilderness. But yet, as time goes on, you notice more and more people around you are coming back from seeing the wild man. And they're breathless. They're fundamentally changed. 
They're not the same person that you knew before. Have any of you ever talked to somebody who has come back from Burning Man for the first time? I imagine it would be kind of like that. So let's say that you get brave. You pack a lunch and you venture out into the wilderness. By word of mouth from these breathless friends, you learn what the path is and you head out to see what this guy has to say. And it's there that you hear something pretty radical. This man says that you have forgotten how to receive God's blessings. You have forgotten God's forgiveness. You see, you knew how to show up at the temple with your checklist, only you kind of forgot to do the soul searching and the careful study of Torah beforehand. And you watched as some Pharisees and Sadducees showed up to see what was going on out here in the wilderness. These are the folks who were really invested in the checklist, by the way. And he called them a brood of vipers. The system that you knew and understood just wasn't working. You noticed that there were others there with you in the wilderness. People who were sitting on the banks of the River Jordan, searching their souls, contemplating their relationship to God, contemplating the meaning of their lives, the sum of their actions. And some of them felt ready and asked John to baptize them. Now keep in mind, none of you out here in the wilderness know how to swim. So deciding to wade into a rushing river and trusting this wild man to push you under the water and pull you out three times, this is a life or death act of faith. So do you take the plunge with John? Come back to our time and to our place. In a moment, as a community, we are going to renew our baptismal vows. And we're really just dipping our toes in the water of baptism and understanding what it means. There is so much more to explore about this sacrament. But as we renew our baptismal vows, there's something I'd like you to hold in your heart as we do this. Remember that Baptism is not a quick bath to scrub off the stink of sin before the Savior comes. Baptism is a loud and death-defying proclamation that you reject this idea that you're worthy because you checked all the boxes. It's an affirmation that you hold the light of Christ within you. It's an affirmation that you give and receive the dignity that God gives to every human being on this planet. You don't give and receive that dignity because you've checked the boxes or someone else has checked their boxes. You do it because you are. Your very existence marks you and everyone as God's beloved forever. And so as we renew our vows, Remember your baptism.
Maybe you were an infant and you cannot literally remember it, but dive in anyway. Your soul remembers. Your family members and godparents, even if they're glowing from heaven this morning, they remember. And if you haven't been baptized, take this as an opportunity to try it on. Remember that you're standing in a room full of people who love you, full of people who believe God loves you simply because you exist. Remember John. Remember the wilderness and the fear and the faith. Remember the water. Remember the oil and the fire. Remember your baptism. Amen.